0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. My friends, our, our first reading that we hear from Sirach, um, we are told that God uh, shows no partiality uh, to the rich, uh, and, but he hears all prayers, and particularly of sweetness to him is that of the prayer offered by the humble uh, and the lowly one. And uh, our second reading, St. Paul is in prison, and he knows he is dying. That's why he said, I am being poured out like a libation. He knows death is coming for him. Uh, And even with that knowledge, uh, uh, what we can take from the reading is that uh, he has a a beautiful type of confidence, uh, one that is uh, much different from what we hear in our gospel from the Pharisee. Uh, St. Paul uh, attributes everything to Jesus Christ and to the Father, Uh, but he has confidence that uh, he has done his very best And that he should not be afraid uh, when death comes for him. Because he said, the crown of righteousness will come for me. But not only for me, he says, but for everyone uh, who has acted with great faith. Uh, So we see this beautiful confidence of St. Paul. We have um, today's gospel. uh, It's not so much a lesson about prayer. Although uh, a preacher can certainly speak that way. Uh, It is about my understanding is it about salvation and who gives salvation. And um, let there be no doubt, we do not save ourselves and uh, we do not enter the kingdom. And we do not attain heaven's glory by telling ourselves or others how good we are, even if we are. Um, God alone makes us holy. And self-righteous, in effect, are stating that they are the source of their own salvation. That is why Jesus says, when the Pharisees prayed proudly, he prayed to himself. The one thing I can tell you about this particular Pharisee is that he is not a hypocrite. Everything he said he did, he did. So he's not that, he's something else. He's a, egotistical. And um, he's lacking humility, for sure. Sure. He mouthed off a litany of his good works, like a person self-content to hear the good things that uh, they that he had done. And he says that to himself. And like I said, this is not the same thing as having confidence. Um, our Lord infers uh, that God was not listening to that Pharisee's prayer. Remember the Pharisees and the tax collector. Uh, they are not just real people. Remember, this is a real person. This is not made up. This is a real person that lived long ago. But uh, their behaviors represent uh, behaviors of people in every time, including our own, maybe ours, or maybe someone we know. In looking at the gospel, in, uh, uh, one must wonder sometimes at the kind of folks who get good PR in the gospels. <laughs> and are singled out for positive comment uh, in its pages by Christ, and, uh, such as today the tax collector. Uh, but Jesus also brought up Samaritans who were hated. Uh, he even spoke about the Roman centurion, uh, and uh, he definitely spoke about uh, prostitutes and tax collectors. And uh, uh, why is it that folks uh, were singled out for positive comment by Christ? Uh, while those who carefully observed the law were often criticized by Jesus. So we take a look at the Pharisee. The Pharisees publicly committed themselves to perfect observance of the law. Perfect. And they demanded that of everybody. Uh, They were perceived to be law-abiding citizens and models of religious piety. My friends, uh, the Jewish folks were required to pray three times a day. 9 a.m., 3 p.m., noon, and 3 p.m. were their prayers. They were required to fast at least one time a year on the Day of Atonement, from the book of Leviticus 16.29. However, the Pharisee uh, did 100 times more. The Pharisees fasted on Mondays and Thursdays of each week. So that's why I say the Pharisee was not a hypocrite when he said, I fast. He did. Jews folks were required to tie 10% of what they produced, either through the field or through their livestock. The Pharisees, as we were told, tied 10% on everything he possessed, which was a lot more. The Pharisee's problem was his haughty attitude in the face of God and his condescension and condemnation of just about everyone else who was not a Pharisee. His prayer was more of a public recording of his good deeds than thanksgiving to God and for God's grace. He seemed to have uh, more reverence for the law rather than for the person who gave the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? He had more, I'll look to the law. But what about the one who gave the law? What about God? Thus the Pharisees proceeded as if he was the sole cause of his own salvation. Because he acted perfectly under the Mosaic law, uh, therefore he earned the right to have everything. Not even giving any second, not even thought to God and God's grace. And uh, um, the tax collector, by way of contrast, is well aware of his brokenness, and his need of God, and God's grace. We are told that he would not even raise his eyes. The Pharisees was doing exactly what he did. The Pharisees, they went to the temple to pray. The tax collector knew he was not welcome in the temple, so he stayed at a distance so as not to insult the Pharisee or also to receive condemnation from him. My friends, remember the tax collectors worked for the Roman Empire, and they were thought to be traitors, and collaborators, and thieves. And the only hope they had was to leave their position, which would have caused great hardship. That was their job. Not to be a thief, to be a tax collector. I don't know what to go. To. I don't know not to go too far with that. <laughs> um, but the Pharisees would have told them, your only hope is to quit your job and stop being a traitor and a loser and a thief. All the tax collector could do was throw himself on God's mercy then. In his prayer, he dares not even look to heaven. His prayer was one of mercy. And I want you to know that in the Greek, it has a different meaning. The words that he used was, atone for me. Do you understand what he was asking? He's asking God, "Will you atone for me. What do you think God did? He atoned for you. That is him dying for your sins. The tax collector knew exactly what to say. It's so moving for me to read that over and over again. Atone for me, God. In his humble acknowledgement of his own inadequacy, he asked that his sins be atoned by God himself. Confidence in God to be able to do this. The tax collector was very sincere in what he was asking. He was honest with himself and with God. He did not wear a mask of respectability. He did not pretend to be something that he was not. He knew that if God would accept him, it would be because of God's mercy and not on account of anything that he himself had done, meaning good works. In spite of being a sinner, the tax collector felt a deep need for God. And in that spiritual emptiness and that need, he became open to God and God's grace. This is what the tax collector was not open to. He was perfect. He did everything perfectly and thus he didn't need the giver of the law. Jesus singles out the tax collector for praise because of his humility, because of his understanding of his need for God. In doing so, Jesus teaches that only those who wholeheartedly and humbly turn to God for help, forgiveness from him, they will be the ones who will have salvation. They will be the ones who find what they are looking for. At the same time, Jesus dashes the notion that mere knowledge and obedience of the Mosaic law will enable humankind to save itself solely and simply of its own effort. If that were possible, you already know what I'm going to say. If that was possible, he would not have come and had to die. If you could save yourself or simply abide by the law, and this is the argument St. Paul will put forth in great detail. He would not, you wouldn't need him. But you did. We did. And this is what Jesus' point is. He's is getting at the lesson to be learned then from the tax collector. Is that he realized to his core being that he was incapable of meriting God's mercy or love. The best he could do was beg for God's pardon and to accept it as gift as a gift. As the people who often pride ourselves of self-sufficiency and resourcefulness, we frequently need to accept and acknowledge that we take a second seat to God in the work of salvation. Salvation is ultimately a gift from God. While God absolutely wants and expects our full active participation and cooperation towards this end, It is he who saves us. When all is said and done, we do not save ourselves. All we can say is, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And to have the attitude of St. Paul and the tax collector, Jesus says the one who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And my friends, uh, we should not be surprised by that because Jesus, the son of God, God, Humbled himself under his father. Just go to Philippians two, seven nine, you will see. Let us keep in mind that humility and exaltation of the Son of God, what he did, he emptied himself for you. He humbled himself for you. We must do the same then as our Master.